Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there! You have tuned into episode 58 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living bantha poodoo out of it. I'm Trev, keeper of the timeline pages over at utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media and I've read over a thousand Star Wars books and comics. And joining me today is the man who but dawn in Jedi Dawn, it's Jose. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, and I'm Jose, and this is actually episode 59, not 58. Oh, but, oh damn. <laughs> but, I'm so, I'm so uh, bad at this no, intro. No, no worries. Um, uh, but I have not spent my entire life consuming and collecting this many Star Wars things as my co-host here, and that's why I can count. Um, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um, this is, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just here to, to disrupt Trev. So, I mean, this way, today I just let him kind of do that thing at the beginning incorrectly. Um, but I will disrupt <laughs> moving forward. Uh, so, yeah, welcome and thank you guys for, for listening to us again today. And um, for anyone who's not, who's, for anyone who's been listening and wondering why I've started doing the intros on kind of every other episode, if I'm doing the intro, you know we're going to be talking some really obscure stuff because I've picked the topic. Yeah. If Jose's doing it, Jose's picked the topic. So that should give you a hint about where each episode's going to go. There's been a pattern that we've been sort of laying over the last few episodes leading up to this, kind of like, yeah, yeah. So, But, uh, but yeah, as ever, for, and for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show, clearly, where once we've decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs, I will do as little research as possible, and we can talk about anything styles and hopefully keep you both entertained and informed over the next hour or so. And I have not done any research today. I don't <laughs> think there was a lot of research to do today, so we'll get into that. Oh, I, d- I don't know, I don't know. I mean, very, very little research that could be done. Uh, yes, it wasn't available to you. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into that um, in a second. So yeah, uh, you know, of course, thank you to all of our Patreon uh, members, uh, you know, who make this show possible and to our loyal general release listeners as well. If you'd like to help us out as uh, well and go get your Star Wars inspired merch at utini.com slash merch or, you know, use the ever-present Amazon affiliate links over at our, on our timeline pages at utini.com, and also go to patreon.com slash utini, and when you become a member, not only will you get access to all of our episodes in advance, you also get a bunch of other utini member exclusives. And another, you know, a little for you general listeners, a good reason to do this is because sometimes when we try, when we actually try, um, we will... <laughs> Make sure that the episodes have some sort of uh, relevance to either, you know, seasonal relevance or whatever's happening on, you know, release of a book or release of a TV show 
or something. So sometimes we kind of like are able to match it. Sometimes and we don't. sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes we just talk about sand or other random Star Wars pooter, right? Like today. So, um, so yeah, uh, Trev, should we introduce our guest? Sounds like a plan. So, without any further ado, we have a special guest on this week's episode, and let's bring him in, uh, Mr. Paul Cockburn. Hello. Hi there, Kiora from uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand. <laughs> Very nice. Oh man, Very nice. what what time is it in New Zealand right now, Paul? <laughs> uh, Eight thirty in the morning. Okay, well, I appreciate you waking up early for this. Um, I'm in LA, and you're basically almost twenty four hours ahead of me. So that's why I was like, wait, how? What? When yeah, are yeah. you in the time? <laughs> I um, I worked uh, uh, when I first came uh, out here to New Zealand for a company that was based in London in the UK but also had an American subsidiary. And therefore, this kind of meeting where you're going, what time is it where you are, um, is, yeah, I'm really used to it. So uh, Okay, good, because after almost over two years of me doing podcasts with Trev, he still doesn't understand time zones. I'm still useless. <laughs> still useless. <laughs> so, so time zones are the work anything. of the devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul, I guess, yeah, with any guests that we have, right, we just like like to ask, you know, what's your connection to Star Wars? Like, what is, uh, how did you first get introduced to it? You know, anything like how, yeah, what was your first introduction to Star Wars and how are you then connected to it? Um, just a free-for-all kind of question there. And then we'll dive into sure, the sure. specifics there. <laughs> um. Well, my my, my, uh, my professional connection to Star Wars is actually quite thin. Um, <laughs> but I'm best I'm best known um, uh, if I have a kind of customer facing uh, aspect at all. I, I was involved in the uh, UK gaming industry, role playing games, Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. and stuff, back in the eighties, um, and with Games Workshop um, also. Um, so obviously I'm of an age where uh, the original cinematic releases of, uh, of the original trilogy um, come out when I am a, 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 a young fellow lad. Um, and obviously, yeah, you know, just like everybody uh, of my generation or what have you at the time, absolutely suckered into it. Um, <laughs> started buying uh, a certain amount of kind of, um, other media around it um, and then uh, by the time the subject of what we're going to get into comes around I've got kids and they've got Star Wars toys uh, and all this <laughs> sort of stuff so uh, yeah you know I was just your standard um, Star Wars fan um, not particularly active I wasn't like writing fan fiction or anything like that yeah. Um but, uh, and here's where the actual connection takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, during the early, late 80s, early 90s, I was a little bit of a gun for hire in terms of licensed product writing. Okay. Um, okay. I'd done some work for a marketing company uh, who basically used to put like, comic books and story books and what have you in packets of shredded wheat. They would often base right. that on a licensed product. So we did, um, uh, we did uh, Ghostbusters. We did 
Count Duckula. Um, oh, wow. all, 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 yeah. all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And from then, I got commissioned by a couple of different publishers to do various stuff, and that meant that I did um, Spider-Man books for who? Yeah, I can't even remember what publisher that was, uh, mm -hmm. but things like that. And so somewhere along the line, somebody at Box Tree, which was a at the time a relatively new and definitely was a very small UK publisher, reached mm -hmm. out to me and said, we want to do this. Um, uh, and can you help us? And I ended up writing the two uh, Star Wars uh, game books for Box Tree, the um, I see uh, lost the Lost Jedi series. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, so so that's my professional connection to to Star Wars. So uh, so let me uh, just jump in and explain to our listeners a bit more about what we're going to talk about then. So <laughs> um, Paul here was the author of two choose your own type adventure books that were released in 1993-1994 called Jedi Dawn and The Bounty Hunter, part of a Lost Jedi series. Um, as I'm sure we'll discuss, these were only ever published in the UK. Mm -hmm. They were published right at the very early days of modern Star Wars publishing, should we say. Um, again, we'll, I'll cover that in a bit more detail. But obviously you all know me. You all know how much I love this stuff. I bought these books when they first came out. Um and sometimes when I'm in my library, just looking around, something will jump out and I'll be like, ah, I wonder if that guy's on Twitter. <laughs> so, I reached out. <laughs> so I reached out and uh, here we are. And I can't wait to, to get into this. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually because I think I would have been the right age, too, for for these books when they came, came out. But like not being in the UK, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know this even existed. So, because they were, since they were only released there, but this is definitely the kind of book that I was buying when I was like eight years old. Uh, Love the choose your own adventure type of books that you would get on here. You had those uh, subscription things that they would give out at school. I don't know if you had that in, in the UK, but like at school, they would hand no. out these little pamphlets and you would, you can mark which books you wanted to be like sent to you. Like there's like Scholastic uh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, all these scholastic books and whatever, you would get through those. And a lot of them were like this too, where it was like, choose your own adventure. And I remember really liking them. So I could have easily seen these, these two books within those like pamphlets. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, I'm a little sad that I didn't get a chance to read them when I was a kid. <laughs> and, and to put it into some context for, you know, the more well-read Star Wars listeners at the time that the first of these books came out. All that we had, apart from like the old Marvel comics in the 80s, the Han Solo and Lando books of the 80s, all we had of modern Star Wars storytelling was the Thrawn trilogy books, Dark Empire, and the six Glove of Darth Vader kids books. That's it. That's yeah. all we had. So mm. 30 years later, obviously, we've got hundreds and hundreds. This was proper, proper Wild West. So, um, Paul, so you said that uh, this company reached out to you. Um, how did you really get the gig? What was the remit? Did you pitch the story? Were you asked to mm -hmm. craft this tale around certain events? Can you talk us throughout how this happened? Yeah. Um, the exact how this happened, uh, I really can't recall. Um, <laughs> lost in the mists of time. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it, it was just, as I say, I, I think the guy's name 
at Box Tree was Rod Green. I definitely worked with Rod later. Um, and I think this is where we get introduced. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they said, oh, we, we've picked up a license to do Star Wars Choose Your Own Adventure books. And, and it really did feel like, and now we've got to do them. And we don't know how. <laughs> uh, I mean, how, how, does Bo- how does Boxtree even land that how, license? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did Boxtree land that license is, I think, the, the key question. Um, because they were tiny. They were, also, they, they were also printing the graphic novels of that time. They must have subcon- Dark Horse must have subcontracted to Boxtree. Because I yeah. know like my original Dark Empires and the droids and stuff, droids comics, they're all published by Boxtree rather than Dark Horse. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, how, if you, like you say, if they're that smaller company, how they somehow landed a deal to yeah. publish Star Wars. I think, it's incredible. I think, I think it's important to recognise exactly what you were just talking about, is that this is at the beginning. You know, this yes. is real Wild West territory. And presumably somebody at, at Lucas um or through the intermediary as you say of the comics uh side of things mm. um you know a conversation takes place and box tree go well what kind of things could we do and i one of the i'll, I'll cover this when we kind of get into the making of these books uh, shortly but one of the things i think would would be true is that at the time lucas would have said to box tree you can't do straight novelizations um yeah and as I say, I'll explain a little bit more about that later. But then, of course, we're at the period in which um, choose your own adventure books are hot as anything. Um, there's any number of series kicking around in uh, uh, in bookshops. So presumably, well, I, mean, I, I bo- had tons of the the original yeah. choose your own adventures. I knew I had like the fighting fantasy ones. Yeah, fighting uh, fantasy. Ian, yeah. Ian Livingston, yeah, all that sort of stuff. It was yeah. Yeah, really fashionable. In, yeah, truly. The um, so, yeah, presumably they said, well, you know, you could do these. Um, and Boxtree have snapped up the license. And then, like I say, have, have gone, yeah, but how do you do those? Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, my suspicion is... I mentioned that I worked for Games Workshop. We, yeah. um, during my last year or so there, we were uh, looking to publish uh, Warhammer fiction. I was oh, in contact okay. with a lot of publishers. I don't think Boxtree was one of them, but UK publishing being what it was, I suspect conversations have gone around and somebody's gone, well, this guy's involved with a lot of writers and maybe yeah. originally box tree reached out to me and said can you put us in touch with anybody and i've gone well as it happens um, <laughs> uh so yeah uh i think it was as opaque and as simple as that but um yeah i, I your introduction i think is absolutely true is how the how the heck does this actually come together um <laughs> well Paul, just uh, out of curiosity, now that you kind of like, you know, brought up Warhammer and some of these things that you were also doing before, like the Spider-Man stuff, before getting into this Choose Your Own Adventure stuff for, for Boxtree, I mean, are you, were you, tra- are you trained as a game designer? Are you trained as a, as a writer? Is this something that you were always, you were always doing? Um, and yeah, like for all these other IPs, was it, were you writing then like, stories or was it also then games like this 
Um, Jose, first of all, thank you, bless you for using the word train. Um, uh, I am, of course, um, uh, I'm particularly at the time, there's nothing more than just some rag amateur. Um, sure, but... <laughs> but yeah, uh, as, I, as a writer and editor, I've been involved with, uh, like I say, originally Dungeons and Dragons, Paul's all that mm -hmm. through, so involved in a lot of kind of game preparation. Uh, I, 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 I edited... Um, uh, the UK Dungeons and Dragons magazine and wrote some for it and what have you. So I start getting some writing chops around then. Uh, uh, Games Workshop, that only increases. And I'm getting more involved in things like fiction because, as I say, there was going to be see. a fiction arm. And, and yeah, talking with authors, um, working on, on uh, book ideas and pitches and what have you. And then, as I say, this marketing gig comes up where I'm working freelance and I am just a, a writer for hire. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you, yeah, your name's just kind of circulating around the industry a bit. And it's like, oh, if, you, if, you, if that's the kind of thing you're looking to do, if you want to do these Spider-Man books, I know this guy. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Uh, so I gradually transition into being some kind of, yeah, weird author. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so and, and if you were already kind of like doing Dungeons and Dragons and stuff beforehand, I assume that you did sort of grow up within, you know, the quote unquote like nerd culture and, and you were already oh, yeah. into all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, uh, yeah, uh, I, I wear my geek hat proudly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Before it was fashionable uh, to be a geek. <laughs> Before like, it was fashionable, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> now it's culturally yeah, accepted, when, and everyone's. <laughs> yeah, back when there were like about half a dozen of us geeks. Um, uh -huh, exactly. Was, you know, yeah, yeah. So, so first book came out in '93. Yes. Um, when did you When did you land the gig? Like, how long was mm. the process? Um, I'm also really interested in what that sort of was. Your contract with Box Tree or with Lucasfilm? Um, and I imagine the contracts were very different in those days compared to what they probably are now. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, from memory, uh, the process from them finding me to me handing manuscript over, which I would imagine would have been about three months before release. So somewhere uh, I'd have had a manuscript over somewhere mid-92 okay that's, that's that's a guess rather than knowledge but that that's sure, the way yeah, i remember yeah. it um and it took me about six months to write the first one uh bounty hunter was was quicker um simply because um yeah my contracts with box tree as i say really had no idea what they were doing uh, <laughs> and therefore the contract with them was 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 quite thin quite simple um quite straightforward, but then arrives the Bible. Um, mm. This absolutely vast binder of material from Lucasfilm uh, and Boxtree are saying, you've got to obey every word in here. Wow. Um, <laughs> and this is before we've decided exactly what we're doing, other than the fact that they're going to be game books. Um, and so I start going through this as I say, enormous thing that's not just here's what we've already done in terms of the movies and the comics and what have you and, you know, 
this character has already appeared in so and so and you need to refer to this that and the other in order to develop it what have you but also was um was obviously anticipating the other two trilogies was anticipating other things that they might do mm -hmm. and in particular the first thing that jumped out of this whole arrangement was you really can't use any of the principal characters from the original trilogy so this okay. cannot be and solo this cannot be princess leia yeah. um so um we're on completely new ground and, and, and wondering what to do and conversations are taking place with uh with box tree who then keep passing information on to lucasfilm but basically, I, I kind of went, I don't want to ignore the original trilogy because that's, that's surely um, marketing insanity. Um, well, that's all, mm -hmm. all we had. We yeah, had. absolutely. So what secondary character can I use mm -hmm. who's got legs, who's, you know, huge recognition, but yeah. actually they're not banning me from doing it, um, and Boba Fett, Um <laughs> Became, became the obvious target um so at that point we decided that it would be a brand new character um despite the fact that obviously in the original trilogy luke skywalker is you know is almost presented as the only possible jedi now we were going to have oh hang on here's another one um uh, and we were going to have this one but here is where I thought, well, maybe the thing to do here is somebody who's naturally talented as a potential Jedi. But whereas Luke goes through training under a, you know, a master, under, uh, this, this guy is A, going to be much younger and B, is going to receive no training at all. So if the series had continued, the whole nature of uh habit storms relations with the force and with um with with, with 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 jedi activity generally would have been developed would have grown so, so oh god I, I just wanted to ask um well i just wanted to quickly give our listeners a quick rundown of where we're at what the books are about and what they entail so Jose, I did send you photos of the back covers earlier. Yes. Um, <laughs> just just because, you know, again, you're very unlikely to ever find these books out in the wild. Yes. So do you want to do you want to um read the back cover of Jedi Dawn for us and kind of set the scene? The whole thing? Sure. Yeah. I can do this. I mean, I, I like how it starts, so um But yeah, I can do the whole thing. <clears throat> Hold on, let me put on my, my narrator voice, which is not very different than a normal <laughs> voice, but that's fine. Okay. <clears throat> The Lost Jedi Adventure Game Book 1, Jedi Dawn. Enter one of the darkest corners of the war-torn galaxy, where a young man is awoken to the terrifying news that he is a member of a hunted breed of warriors, the Jedi. You are that young man, habit storm, outcast and fugitive, blindly skipping from planet to planet in a desperate bid to keep your terrible heritage a secret. With nothing to protect you but your blaster, your canine series droid, your lightsaber, and your wits. Landing on the Imperial planet of Toprawa, 
Havoc finds himself face to face with Boba Fett, the most infamous bounty hunter in the galaxy, the beautiful facet Animor, and the mysterious but deadly Diamond. But what work is being carried out at the Imperial Research Station, and why are the rebel forces so interested? This is your chance to play a vital role in the Alliance's unceasing struggle against the powers of darkness. But do you have what it takes to succeed? Boom! Perfect. Round Damn. of applause. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a no. So one question, <laughs> one question I really want to ask them, Paul, is the main character in this, Habit Storm, he is about 15, I think, in this book. Yeah, that's um, what I remember, yeah. Is, is that a deliberate choice to aim at, you know, the market you were going for? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's a purely commercial decision. Um, yeah. Uh, box tree... Uh, definitely were comfortable once I'd said I'll do him as a teenager um, because they they could just see how they would market that. Um, so yeah, uh, that was that just made sense in terms of the energy of where because in the end with a with a choose your own adventure book, you the reader are definitely meant to be even more than normal fiction putting yourself into the persona of the hero of the story. Um, And therefore, if it's 15-year-old boys who are going to be buying these books, it should be a 15-year-old boy that they're playing. Yeah. And And, um, what about the the canine series droid? Uh, Did did, did nobody from Doctor Who sort of have a word? (laughs) That's what what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) It's it's funny because... um, it definitely wasn't something that was ever going to play a major part in the in the series as a whole. Um, but it's funny listening to somebody read what is effectively just marketing guff from the yeah. You know, uh, I didn't write that back of the book. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when when you see that, it's like, oh yeah, now we'll make, we're definitely going to mention this. And I was and I was like, yeah, I'm the same as you. Hearing that read again, it's like, oh seriously. Um, I've got this huge. <laughs> I've got this huge Bible telling me what I can do in terms of Star Wars copyright, but nobody's kind of going and stay away from Doctor Who, you. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on, you have to. It's like <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. And another thing to point out, another quick thing to point out. Sorry, Jose. Is, um, yeah. I know we're talking about the Wild West. Is lightsaber is spelt wrong on the back cover? So we yeah. hadn't even established the correct spelling of lightsaber at that point. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that too as I was reading it. I'm sure uh, that that was covered in the Bible. Um, but like I say, we, we're going to talk about this in a couple of other instances. Box Tree were out of their depth. And therefore the idea <laughs> that when your marketing wonk writes the back of the book, he needs to look at this Bible, yeah. probably yeah. never occurred to them. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if, like, Trev, where you want to go, where, where we're going next with this, but I still, I, I want to ask, the name Havit Storm, did you come up with this, Paul, or is there yeah, any... Yeah, yeah. Okay, and... And there's no, there's no particular uh, route yeah. to it or bounce to it. Um, Storm, I just liked as a surname. One of the yeah. things that I think is, um, uh, is, is true with star wars peopley names mm-hmm. is that there's often a unfamiliar word 
and then a familiar word right. in co- as a combination. And I've obviously yeah. latched onto that and gone, well, I'll give him a completely original forename, um, mm. but then I want a really you know, blatantly well-known word surname. Um, and yeah, uh, that, that came out. Yeah, no, because it sounds very Star Warsy. So that's why I was like, wow, like it's it's it sounds right, and and you're absolutely right. It's either a completely made up word with something that we all are familiar with, or you just add a lot of apostrophes to something that sounds normal. <laughs> but when you see I it written, feel, it I do no feel like that was a really amateurish mistake by me not to have gone H A apostrophe V E T to spell Harvard. Uh, but there you go. We we were young. Yeah. <laughs> but the other, th- the other thing we need to focus on here, um, apart from how much I would love to get my hands on the Bible, uh, <laughs> the other thing we need to focus on is the setting of this book. So it is pre A New Hope. It covers the theft of the Death Star plans. You yes. basically wrote Rogue One. I basically oh. wrote Rogue One. Um, basically, uh, I was. When I was reading, maybe it was on Wikipedia or somewhere, but I was reading about Rogue One and the writing of it, and the guy was kind of going, oh, yeah, we've been kicking this script idea around for 10 years before Rogue One. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Um, uh, but a yeah, lot no. of the elements that you introduced stood up in Legends, so until the Disney buyout. So things like um, Toprawa being a planet that the plans are transmitted from. Yeah. Um, I think the only place it had been covered up until this point was the radio dramas and if i remember rightly i, I can never i always get a bit confused here with this in my hand solo trivia i'm pretty sure that some of the dialogue that you use is identical to the radio drama which hmm. could only have come from a bible of, yes like the actual transmission yes um so you're you know uh, canon canonically wise the events of this book stand true for another yeah. you know 20 years yeah. till Disney, Disney by Star Wars. Yeah. And this is one of the things that uh, I find interesting about the whole experience. When these were written in these early 90s years, these were intended to be canonical. There was no, yeah. um, there was no sense that they weren't going to be a part of the overall Star Wars story. There's a little bit of pushback against that through some of the audience because it's a choose-your-own-adventure game book. Yeah. But as far as I was concerned, Box Tree were concerned, Lucas were, were, were concerned, this was canon. Um, and like you say, it's only later um, when post-Disney buy it, this, that, and the other, that actually it slips into the, you know, the, the, the Legends category. Um, yeah. Which effectively, you know, I, 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 I hold nobody any, you know, any malice at all for, for what they did with Rogue One. Um, and part of me would like at some point, I think, to almost like sit with the script of Rogue One and sit with, as it were, the clean line through, um, through uh, Jedi Dawn and go, actually, could they be compatible you know, hmm. um, is is there a way in which um, you do, maybe you even see him in Rogue One? He's like one of the background <laughs> characters that yeah. that have it yeah. storm is like, oh, that guy you glimpsed through a doorway. Yeah, that's that's our boy. Yeah, um, I mean, I find things have happened in the last couple of years. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's, it's like how they say so, that yeah. Rex is in is in uh, Return of the Jedi, right? So there's like that guy in uh, in um, that yeah, bearded guy. Yeah, beard. Yeah, and they're like, oh, that's Rex. Yeah. And now they've like now that's supposedly he was there all there all along. <laughs> I think um, so, um, I think Habit Storm would have had a would have had more screen time if it wasn't for the damn dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so story wise, then was it completely you the choice of events setting? Did you get mm. any um, remit from Lucasfilm, or were you just saying we're doing this? And they went, "Yep, that's fine." Um, it wasn't as quick as that. It has to be said, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, all of the stuff in the Bible that kind of guided what I could do was 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 the negative stuff. It can't be any of the principal characters. You can't cover the exact same um, period in time. Um, uh, things like that. So um, I I latched onto that whole. <clears throat> Well, yeah, in a sense, what Rogue One does exactly the same. You latch on to, um, yeah, you know, we've got all the heroes of, of, of classic Star Wars pick up after the moment in which um, Princess Leia receives the message. Um, yeah. But clearly something happened before that. What was it? Um, and I latched on to that straight away and went, well, as a... I'm also enough of a uh, fiction uh, to understand that if you're going to launch a series like this, start big. Start with something <laughs> utterly recognisable, utterly huge, and therefore, uh, yeah, my character was going to play a role in the destruction of the Death Star. Now, he, he, he couldn't be flying uh, an X-Wing because, as I say, we weren't allowed to be contemporaneous with, with the events of uh, New Hope. Um but um, seeing as the movie starts at this particular point, I can sneak in just before that, and that's mm -hmm. where we'll be. Um, and was there any pushback on um, Boba Fett? Because I know that later on, other writers had some restrictions because, you know, of what then happened in the prequels. <clears throat> he was kind of off limits for a while. Um, but, you know, in early 90s, we knew nothing. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't recall anything at all. And bearing in mind that when I was pitching uh, pitching Jedi Dawn, I was also pitching a kind of very loose bits around the series of what it was going to be. And this idea that Habit Storm was going to be hunted um, by the Empire and principally by Boba Fett was in all of that documentation. And Lucasfilm said, fine. I think this all goes back to the very first point you were making. We're right at the start here. Um, yeah. I'm not cutting across anybody at this point. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, later on, everybody in these dogs going to go, oh, I want to do Boba Fett. Um, and I would imagine Lucasfilm later on were kind of going, we've got to be a lot more restrictive with how we use this. Um, so, yeah. Uh, now, Paul, all these, so yeah, this Bible and all these restrictions as a, as you know, and, and, and the fact that you were, you were right at the beginning of, of this of legends and everything, but did you find it 
the restrictions were were they they were you excited? I don't know, like as a writer or as as you were trying to come up with the story, how did you find these restrictions? Were they like sometimes I feel for creative people when you have a lot of things, you know, like boundaries, it can be very liberating and freeing in a way because you know exactly what your limits are and then you can just kind of like go free from yeah. within those limitations or were you sort of like oh man like you know i really wish i could like bring in like look for just like a little cameo or something like yeah that. Like, i want to play in the sandbox with all the action figures not just like <laughs> that you know not just anything but those yeah abs uh there's definitely an element where you kind of go because part of what i'm doing with habit storm is i'm contrasting him with luke Mm -hmm. They both are Jedi, but they're going to be very different characters. And it would have been nice just from a, you know, a writerly uh, contextualizing thing just to have them touch base once. Mm. Um, but yeah, not, not on the card. So that was a, yeah, a minor frustration, but I can live with it. The thing with the Bible and um, I think... I think we're finding this more and more in uh, in the modern age, obviously with Star Wars, but I'm also uh, very aware of um, where things are with things like the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, say, mm -hmm. um, where there's now so much canon. I, would, I, I can't even imagine what it must be like to have the MCU's Bible. Um, yeah. Uh, there's so much canon that actually you tend to go, I don't even want to have to worry about all of the restrictions. I'm going to go yeah. out on a little bit of a solo avenue here um, and really not touch base with any of the stuff that I know, simply because then I can't trip over anything. Yeah, yeah. So and, I, and I know the restrictions... For, for... Oh, go ahead. Oh, all I was going to say is the restrictions were were helpful in terms of framing and it definitely yeah. was the case that the moment i read that don't do anything contain contemporaneous i was going that i'm going to go just before yeah, um, yeah yeah but other than that it was like I, i don't want to have to get into the weeds of every planetary system mm -hmm. uh, that i might want to touch base with I, i i really want to give myself a little bit of flex to move around And so yeah. I think at that point you do start making independent decisions about what your story is going to be. And I completely understand now how it must be for writers coming up with, say, the current kind of crop of um, Marvel TV series um, is you sit there and you've got a character like, I don't know, Hawkeye, and you're going, Oh, I really want to base it on, on, on this little run of comics, but I'm damned if I'm going to touch base with all the rest <laughs> of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I get that completely. Um, and in this very early phase of um, licensed writing, I definitely went down that same route of, yeah, just find your own space um, yeah. and, uh, and operate there. Now, yeah, because I, 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 from something that I, I know from the MCU side of things nowadays is that once, yeah, I mean, they do pick generally like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do a Hawkeye TV series going to be largely based on the comic run from a few years ago. Um, yeah. And then they kind of lay out, you know, storyboard the whole thing and they have their characters. 
But then what they do that I find kind of interesting, that sounds a little bit different from the restrictions that restrictions that they gave you, is that then they look at the whole story and they're like, well, we have this whole cast of characters available to use. So they have like this wall, this board, where you have, yeah. oh, here's Kat Denning's character and this other character that they can make a cameo whenever. So you have a character here in your story that needs to be about this age that maybe does this. What if you use this person? And then that, so sure. then they kind of like, after they kind of write it, they're like, they start plopping in all these other people because they're like, we might as well use them because we have them and they're great actors. So, yeah. And, and that, yeah, that, that then refers back to what you asked originally, as I wouldn't it have been nice if uh, Luke Skywalker could just have, yeah. you know, walk past him in the street kind of thing. Um, exactly. But yeah, I mean, that particular maybe nowadays. Bible, yeah, maybe, maybe nowadays. I mean, now that it's Disney, maybe they'll be like, you would have written this. They're like, hey, you know what? You've done this. Let's bring Luke in for a conversation because that would be great. And the thing is, from a marketing point of view, you can imagine the executives at someone like Disney uh, going, no, do it. Because yeah. then when we do the cover of the book, we can put Luke Skywalker on it. Exactly. Yeah, he, he's, in for, he's in for exactly six lines on page 95. But <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, so the book comes out in 93. Uh, obviously, yeah. the second one only came out three months later. How yeah. was that release for you and is that when you sort of started seeing box tree hit their limitations in the fact that well it only came out in the uk you know it didn't yeah. it didn't reach a wider market um there were a couple of there were a couple of hitches straight away and this is uh this is being relayed to me even prior to the release of jedi dawn in other words Obviously, Box Tree's plan is they're going to license this back to a US publisher. Um, right. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine Lucasfilm only wanting a UK release. No, for the no, book. definitely not. So, yeah, you, if you just think of it in terms of license and, and contract and what have you, Lucasfilm give Box Tree a license to do this in the UK. But the expectation, <coughs> excuse me, must always have been that Box Tree would license back the product for publication in other languages and in the US and so on and so forth, but it doesn't happen. Now, partly that's because it's a completely different publishing commercial operation to signing a contract with Lucasfilm saying we'll do these books and that yeah. as opposed to finding an American partner um, and, and, and licensing back the other way, I've some experience with this during my time at um, Dennis Workshop. It's hard, and I think <laughs> that Box Tree suddenly realised I had no capability to do it. Also, they lost confidence because there was a technical error in that, and this is the gravest sin possible in a choose-your-own-numbered-paragraph adventure book. A paragraph, a numbered paragraph got missed out of Jedi Dawn on the original printing. Oh, no. Oh. I'm looking at your face here in Zoom, is, and I just watched the... Is mine, hey. is, mine an, is mine an original printing? Yes, I, I believe so. Yes. Um, I can't remember the paragraph number, so I can't steer towards the gap. Um, wait, but... wait, does that mean it got more than one printing? Well, it's partly why the combined volume came out. 
where you've got oh, both okay. the two books. Um, so yeah, I oh, think. Oh, well, now I'm going to have to buy that one to find the missing paragraph. <laughs> yeah, Trevor. Yes. You don't know the whole story. <laughs> there's, a, there's a missing paragraph. Um, now, two things about that. Luckily, it was a. Um, what's the word I'm after here? Um, for those people who, are, uh, who, who don't know what Choose Your Own Adventures do, you the story branches. Um, you get all of the kind of you know possible uh, outcomes of a decision. This was at the end of a branch. In other words, you were unlikely to uh, be following a particular track through the story and then find that you couldn't go any further because this thing was missing. Um, it now, was at the now end. this does actually make sense because recently, um, well, about three months ago, I was doing some timeline research because I am a complete nerd and I was going mm. through this book and following the story and I'd seen on a different website, I'd seen like a, a guide to doing it and I'm halfway through following their numbers and it stops working. Now it's possible that they were then using the omnibus. Yes. Yeah. Edition. Yes. Because I looked at it going, well, that, and I was flicking back and forth between paragraphs going, mm. this doesn't work. Yeah. So maybe that, maybe that's right. Maybe that's right. Um, I, I would hate to, you know, stamp at court and do this, but I think the box tree actually put out a like a tiny little bit of paper for um, <laughs> retailers to tuck into the book. Mm, um, no. But in the end, of course, that was that was hugely damaging in terms of mm. the original product. I think I think it even led to them bringing Bounty Hunter out quicker than they were originally going to simply to do it. And it definitely meant that they did the omnibus edition because then this production mistake could be rectified. Um, I, I, I imagine that was quite damaging to their relationship with Lucasfilm. With well. Lucasfilm as well. Yeah. Uh, we gave these guys this gig and they couldn't pull it off properly. And it was just one of these things where um, I think it. It's such a different editing job as well that the guys at Box Tree, you know, when they were going through galleys and what have you, looking for typos and, you know, my appalling grammar, um, they had no track record in going, oh, and check that this paragraph leads to this paragraph leads to this paragraph. Um, and nobody would have checked that um, at their end. And I only had a very limited amount of time with the galleys, um, and I'm as guilty as anyone else. I never spotted this thing. Actually, now I can't remember whether it was in the where it fell out, whether it was in the galleys and fell out after or, or what. Yeah, can't remember that. But anyway, uh, so when it goes to press, this paragraph is missing, um, and that, as you say, I think Lucasfilm, once they'd heard the UK publishing industry going, "Oops, look what these guys have done." Might have gone, you know, maybe Box Tree isn't the right partner. Um, so we spent a lot of time focusing on the first book. I just want to touch on the, the second book um, briefly. So you talked about how you weren't allowed to uh, place your story around the events of the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yep. But the second book does. So the second book's between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, I think it's two years later. Um, yeah. Tre Trev, you should read the, the back of this one now since I read the first oh. one. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's only fair okay um so so you finished the first book and now we were oh, actually, actually the first paragraph is great on this yeah so, no that's why lost, that's why you read it the lost jedi adventure game book two the bounty hunter 
The Death Star has been successfully destroyed thanks mainly to the efforts of a young Jedi named Havoc Storm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so you are Havoc Storm, a young outcast burdened with the knowledge of a Jedi ancestry that you are compelled to keep secret, lest you fall victim to the galaxy's bounty hunters hungry for Imperial rewards. In an attempt to leave the Imperial planet of Toprawa, Havoc finds himself caught up in the world of the greatest bounty hunter of all, the infamous Boba Fett. Fett is on a very personal mission to seek and capture Han Solo for the underworld leader Jabba the Hutt and the evil Darth Vader, Lord of the Sith. Will you find sorry, will you be able to find Solo before Fett does, or will you or will you yourself fall into the clutches of the bounty hunter? So definitely pulling on some movie plot lines here, Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um and I think um I don't know whether it was the case that having shown that I could interact with the with the movie trilogy without trampling on it. Lucasfilm mm. cut me some more slack or whether they were, I mean, these are coming out quite quickly and, you know, somebody at Lucasfilm has got to read through not just like um, plot outlines and what have you, but presumably is going to have to read through this. And let's stress again, this is not an easy read for an editor when you've got to chop and yeah. change and then go back and to that, branch point and start again yeah so maybe at that point they're not uh policing their own bible (laughs) as hard but i got away with a lot more in the second one but i'll tell you um this is my uh, my my favorite story about this experience um (laughs) there's a uh, there's a sequence where uh, Havit is hiding out on Slave One, uh, Boba Fett's ship. Um, and um, I can't remember exactly uh, the, the MacGuffin around this, but he wants to disable the artificial gravity. Um, okay, yeah. As, as, as part of a stunt uh, to overcome the evil Boba Fett or escape or whatever. Um, so I put this in the... Uh, the outline and they were fairly extensive documents um and somebody uh, originally at box tree goes why would it even have artificial gravity um and i'm like oh um and then somebody at lucasfilm has gone we we, we more or less kind of go i'm paraphrasing here heavily but it was basically we steer away from stuff like this um okay um and so i was kind of being discouraged from doing it but i think in the end i just did it anyway um (laughs) because it it just struck me as a fun plot mcguffin um yeah and also as a bit of a kind of nerd geek one of the things that always strikes me about uh series like star wars uh, and I'm going to come up with a secondary example in a moment, is I was like, well, I know why when you're on the Millennium Falcon, you can just walk around in one particular orientation. It's because it's being done on a film set and, you you know, there's no way they could arrange for uh, Chewie to be walking around on the roof. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's a ground. And that means... It's artificial gravity because yeah, you look at Millennium, you look at the Falcon. <laughs> there is no, there's no rotation or any other, you know, 
way in which gravity could be uh, invoked. So, yeah, there's some kind of artificial gravity. So to me, that means that's all over the place and therefore I can stick it in slave one. Um, but uh, that's my mind tends to wander around that kind of area uh, when I watch something like Star Wars. And the example more recently I'll, I'll give is when obviously, you know, loved Andor, thought that was, uh, and I will also say tonally, I wanted to head more towards Andor, what Andor has done than the original trilogy. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a great Saturday morning uh, cinema kind of uh exponent i wanted to do something a little bit more gritty but anyway that's neither here nor there but and or the prison sequence i'm like why are they hand building the bits for the good stuff <laughs> really there's there's not a machine that could make these things <laughs> um and like it's not i'm not going to accept the cheap prison labor argument because <laughs> look at this station that's look at the prison um They've had to build special floors that will burn you up. Um, <laughs> so this isn't a cheaper alternative to just having a machine do it. So I'm fascinated by things like that. So I could imagine myself now, if you know, faced with a Bible and uh, uh, kind of going, so what was that prison originally? Because that clearly wasn't <laughs> built as a prison. Right. Um, uh, what was correct? And that kind of stuff fascinates me. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so part of what's going on there in Bounty Hunter is me kind of going, I want to get into some of the really nerdy stuff around the fringes mm -hmm. of this. Um, but at the same time, the narrative of Habit Storm is all about, he's not really Rebel Alliance. He's, yeah, you know, we, he did that thing. He was, of course, the absolute hero uh, in the destruction of Death Star. So on the back of, of the book. <laughs> of but, uh, yeah, he's not really part of that scene. He has his own problems. He's being hunted. Um, and now here in the second book, he's got an opportunity to maybe do himself a favour uh, by doing Han Solo a favour. Um, mm. But realistically, that doesn't mean that he's looking to join the Alliance. He's going to be on the run. Um, and I almost... Do either of you remember... Uh, old tv series called alias smith and jones western series uh you mean um mel smith and griffrey jones no 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 um no I, murphy I... and can't remember the other guy's name it's a western series these two guys mm -hmm. have um uh, have been given a kind of parole that says if you stay out of trouble for a year the slate will be wiped clean um, and what I wanted was that book by book, the, the overarching story is you're being pursued and the Empire and various other interests will come after you. But then each individual story is you in a different place or a different situation dealing with whatever. Um, and that and was you my do actually, um You do actually go down some really interesting concepts with regards to have it learning how to use the force and the conscious mm. uh you know it's self-conscious in light and dark there's, there's yeah there is some really really interesting stuff in there um that you might not necessarily expect to see when when you go into these kind of books yeah uh, like i say the, the geek in me just finds 
it fascinating. Um, uh, the whole the whole way in which the false is treated in in the original movies is um, is obviously very strongly predicated on certain kind of moods and beliefs that uh, George Lucas and the writers generally had. Um, but I was like, is that is that what all of it is i'm explaining that really badly but when you start thinking about like other other series and uh, and later movies and what have you that start exploring the dark side of the force and what the sith are mm -hmm. all about i'm like yeah. that's what makes this kind of interesting is that it is something something external that can be drawn on luke mm. does it in a very positive trained way Darth Vader obviously does it in an incredibly negative way. Could you do it in some kind of innocent, unknowing, hmm. instinctual way? And that's where I was kind of pitching it. I think that's and that kind of reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you've uh, watched um, Star Wars Rebels, but I feel like Ezra's connection to even to the dark force, oh, to the dark side, comes from that a little bit more of an innocence or or naivete uh, or something where he doesn't really yeah. know what it is and he just starts going down that direction um and i think well, yes. one of the the attractions of that is that have it stalled for example as a bit of an outsider and, and somebody on the run you can imagine kind of oh i'm really really hungry i could use the force to enable me to go into that that cantina and eat without pain yeah. um uh and that, that and the moral quandary behind that would have been interesting um mm -hmm. so yeah i just uh, naivete is that is i think uh, is the perfect word for it is that mm -hmm. what i wanted was this idea that he knows he can do these things he doesn't necessarily understand how mm -hmm. but also he has no training in the morality if you want if you like of the thing yeah, yeah. Well, and so so that's um, ha uh, that's have it. So, and what about wh when you got to write then Boba Fett? I'm now also you know, now I'm assuming you've also watched uh, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. But how do yeah. you feel like your characterization of Boba Fett when there were no restrictions on him back then? How do how do you feel like that compares to how now Disney? um has well and actually right before disney too with in in clone wars and in rebels how they characterized um boba fett and gave him more of a you know actually more of a character and not just one line of dialogue like he had in the movies yes i mean you you've hit the nail completely on the head there. it's a it's an utterly different environment boba mm -hmm. fett was a blank canvas just an amoral bad well not even bad guy just an amoral character who i could use to be covet storm's nemesis um mm. the kind of characterization that has come on since like you say through things like the mandalorian and uh, the various novelizations that um that follow boba fett mm -hmm. changed that dynamic so um if um how am i trying to say this? if the uh if the jedi dawn books had remained like proper canon 
um, and were part of the Star Wars history that now includes making things like The Mandalorian. I think the way that some of these other Boba Fett adaptations happened would have been subtly altered. Um, but at the time, yeah, it was just like, you've got a free hand, do it, you know. It was almost like Lucasfilm were kind of going, we care about Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker and, you know, a few others. We're not that bothered with what you do with a guy who had one line. Um, and so you get to kind of characterize it in your own way. And whether that, you know, in a, in a, in a different timeline in which these books remain solid canon, um, whether that would have affected the characterization of Boba Fett mm-hmm. down the line. Yeah, who knows? Okay, Paul, so the ending of Bounty Hunter. Well, one of many endings. <laughs> some, some you die, some you succeed, some you go back to page one. Um, the yeah. ending has a tagline that says, watch out for more books in this exciting series. Yes. Um, so firstly, I mean, you've kind of covered it, but what happened? <laughs> Why were there no more books? Yeah, I think we have covered it. I think that for a number of reasons... Um, Either Box Tree themselves decided this is too hard, or without yeah. US licensing, we can't make the kind of money that we hoped to. I am slightly surprised they never managed to like do, you know, Spanish or German translations that I I understand less because companies like Box Tree are usually set up for that. But anyway, yeah. um uh so yeah, I think partly that, partly the mistake, and partly um you know, we are at the beginning of the whole um, license fandango, but as the as we get into '94, there are other things being touted around, and I just think that Lucasfilm have probably gone. Maybe we shouldn't have given the farm away to the first guys that came along, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, the uh, as I recall even as the first one was coming out and I had delivered Bounty Hunter, they were going, we're not going to do any more. Okay. Well, and uh, so, Paul, I'm going to put you on... I mean, you've been on the spot this whole time and we're interviewing you, but... (laughs) (laughs) But if, um, if you could write this next book in the series now in, like after you have all you know everything that has happened since and it will be a canon book if you had to come up with like a very basic tagline of where you would have where you would like to take the series do you have any ideas of what you would like to tackle on next i mean would it continue the story of a uh, habit storm or would you go on with with uh with boba fett would you go you know, after the sequel series, when when you say put a guy on the spot, uh, Jose, you're you're uh, completely not kidding. That's a uh, that's a big old <laughs> big old question. But actually, yeah. it's really interesting to kind of have that in your mind. Um, first of all, I would definitely have continued with Havet Storm. I think the whole the whole point of that series was going to be the growth of somebody within the Jedi environment. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I would definitely have continued the idea that he was outside or, 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 or alongside 
the conflict between the Empire and the Rebel Alliance, um, and that he was effectively a fugitive who, like I say, I, I really like the idea that um, he would go to another planet because plot for that book. Um, but in the meantime, people would be after him. The authorities would be after him. I would, um, I absolutely adored the way in Andor the oh god I'm gonna um, the security service what are they called uh, the ISB the ISB yeah. I wanted to call them the IRS and I knew that was wrong <laughs> um, uh, just as evil same yeah, amount just as of evil. paperwork and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I would have uh, if the ISB had kind of uh, had been had been part of my consciousness uh i would have done it and therefore i think if i was writing book three now yeah the mm. isb are after him um mm. and I, I i find that i find that fascinating um and yeah knowing me i would like I, i'm sitting here now having had this conversation the third book would have been um so what was going on on this weird prison planet and uh you know what, why, why was all this automated? Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, another thing that strikes me about the way that uh, that, uh, that that sequence was done in Andor is like hundreds of guys jump into the ocean, um, and then two guys walk onto the shore, and I'm like, "That's a whole bunch of people you've just given me to do something with." Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I would have, you know, maybe I would have, um, yeah, gone, uh, uh, part of, uh, I, I, I just really thinking off the top of my head, but a kind of typical Harvard storm story with therefore go, there are all these components lying around and the mm -hmm. death star needs them. Wouldn't it be really cool to sabotage that? Um, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, and maybe that's what I do. Is I I collect some of the prisoners. That's how I find out uh, what they were doing. Um, I um, I have a lengthy dialogue with them about uh, automation and how they're being exploited <laughs> by the man. Um, yeah, and then me and a bunch uh, have it storm and a bunch of uh, uh, of escaped prisoners go off to find the stockpile of those widgets, whatever they, uh, I don't know if mm -hmm. they had a, they didn't have a name. A good they, word. Yeah. Widgets. Yeah. Um, and, um, and sabotage them. Uh, Fantastic. and again, tr what, what you're trying to do there is go, we're involved in the main story, but obviously you're not destroying all of the widgets because the death star does mm -hmm. get built. Yeah. But, hey, may maybe this delayed it by 20 days or two months or something. Um, because Havit, the hero, and it will say this on the back of the book, um, <laughs> managed to uh, managed to sabotage the widget repository. Um, that's so that, amazing. yeah, that I think that's exactly the kind of thing I would have done with an ongoing series um, where other stuff was coming out. And obviously, this is an incredibly rich period for yeah. additional Star Wars material. That's what I would have done is I would have just found little creases and corners in other media and gone, oh, yeah, my, your guys have now done their thing and have left that planet. My lad's just arriving. Um, let's pick up the leftovers. Yeah, so, I mean, 
Well, that, no, I was gonna just add to that that if you just add, I, I'll and then you can ask your question, Trent. But um, let's just make sure we add into that book um, a little bit of what happened to Andy Circus because <laughs> did, did he end up jumping? Is he part of this like prison prisoner group that that talks to Habit? But um, that yeah. way we get a little bit of resolution on that character. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, yeah, there's there's any number of those guys who. Uh, this isn't a criticism of Andor, which I absolutely adored, but there is, there are times when you go, hang on a minute, all the guys on the original planet, are we not seeing them again? And obviously mm -hmm. it does come back to them, but that was a real shock when we left that, that, that city, that world. And yeah. hang on, what about all these guys? And then again on mm -hmm. the prison, it's like, but we've talked to all these people. Yeah. Um, we care why have about we only them. Got, yeah, why have we only got this one guy to wander around with? And then he's going to bugger off. Um, uh -huh. yeah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that that would have been a big temptation. And uh, I think, yeah, definitely some of the characters out of the, the prison stuff. I think also maybe a guard as a real kind of, you know, mm. um, he's jumped off as well because everything's fallen to pieces. Um, but, yeah, just somebody in a really antagonistic role um yeah uh following them around trying like to find it. out what they're doing yeah All i like that. it a lot <laughs> okay okay so, so um as... go on yeah all, all i was going to say there uh is is jose is obviously sold so we just need to find who owns box tree these days and, uh... <laughs> i can't imagine they're still a going concern based on no. everything that we've learned about them no. i think they <laughs> well, got, obviously they got... I think they got bought out by one of the big boys mm. because obviously yeah. this Star Wars wasn't their only gig. They had some other stuff going for them that yeah. was working. Um, uh, but I think they got built, bought out by one of the uh, larger publishers. But uh, my contact then moved on to Virgin. And mm. so the next gig I did with him was with Virgin Publishing. And I will say that it is a shame that these books didn't get the wider audience that they should have. Um, I can tell you, Paul, that they are absolutely not forgotten about. Um, I was in a, I was in a Discord server earlier today, and I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm interviewing the guy who wrote these books." And somebody literally said, "I just read them last week." I was in the <laughs> the, Je the Jedi Council forums, which are you know they're massive Star Wars forums. In the books and comics one there, and there's a whole thread about the Death Star plans and all the different various retellings. And these books get brought up a lot. Um, so I just kind of want to ask. What's your thoughts? How do you look back on the whole experience as a whole after all this time? Um, it's a it's a very short period of my writing creative life, mm -hmm. but it was incredibly intense. Um, I remember the day the the Bible arrived in the post and kind of cracking this parcel open and the, originally kind of going, well, what a big parcel for what's presumably <laughs> going to be just a manuscript. Oh, um and uh, yeah, and realizing that if this worked properly, I was gonna be hit deep in something big. So I enjoyed mm -hmm. it enormously. I would say one thing: um, my personal mistake, as it were, nearly all of the other game book series that were were kicking around the time were written by pairs of guys, and I should have taken okay. a partner on because. The, this was strenuous and box street i mean you can see how quickly um bounty hunter came out on the back of it 
um, and this was kind of true of most of the like, fighting fantasy books and other series. They come out quick. Um, yeah. The, the physical strain of getting these done was quite strong. Doing two, yeah, I managed. If I'd have got up to 20, I'd have been a nervous wreck. I should have had a partner. <laughs> um, and then I think, you know, maybe even things like the mistake that, that got made might have got picked up. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, obviously can't say, but yeah, it would have been nice to have done that. And then I think more, I'm a, I'm a great believer in kind of collaboration on things like this. I think it would have been a more interesting environment, uh, but I absolutely adored it. And um, my, my, my two boys who would have been uh, like six and eight when these came out, my life did they dine out on this at school, you know? <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. Uh, um, Oh uh, yeah! Oh, is that uh, is that a Chewbacca action figure you got there? Guess what my dad does. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, and well, Paul. What, what about um since then? Like what uh, the last thirty years then? Um, what have <laughs> you want? Anything else you want to? I mean, we focus so much, and yeah, like you said, in such a small portion of your entire career. But what are were some of the other things that you have been involved in since and if there's anything that you're working on right now that you want to plug and let our I'm, listeners know where to get it? Um, I am indeed working on something at the moment. And, and funnily enough, this is a collaboration. Um, I still mm -hmm. get I still do gaming stuff. I still uh, okay. work with with people to produce gaming stuff. So, yeah, me and a guy are uh, working on a, a supplement that will be published through one of the um, Kind of role-playing forums where you, you, know, you know, download a PDF kind of style, um, and uh, yeah, we're we're kind of oh, third of the way through getting that together. Um, okay, I still enjoy doing stuff like that. I actually, I immediately after the uh, Star Wars books, I did an extensive, I did a, a series of books for Virgin with this same editor. Um, that was uh, huge fun. That was just young adult football books, soccer books. Um, they were huge fun to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, stayed involved in the gaming industry for a while, but then dropped out for about 10 years when um, I started doing online moderation. I was involved with a company mm. that was uh, doing online moderation for uh, both kind of commercial firms, but um, but also for uh, yeah, interest sites. Um, mm -hmm. And I got quite senior with them uh, over a 10, 12 year period. Um, and, uh, and now I'm out here in New Zealand enjoying the sunshine. <laughs> Sounds idyllic. Um, Paul, it's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on. Like I said, I've owned these books since they first come out. Um, yeah, genuinely, genuinely touched, man. I was uh, when you when you mentioned. Also, of course, I because I'd not stayed on this, I hadn't been aware of the whole legend situation. When you sent me that document, uh, and by the way, send me that link again because being a dope, I've lost it. Um, okay. When you sent me that document link, and there it is. Yeah, well, two things. First of all, you sat there kind of going, "Oh, you're on the timeline, man," um, but also. When you look at the publication of dates of all these books, it was like, oh, you're on the timeline and you were early. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like, 
oh so much come out in the early 2000s but yeah that's that's 10 years after we were cracking around um and then one of the one of the things i like doing on the show is not only shining a light on some of these more obscure works but in instances like this you know giving some shine a light on the people who created them as well yeah so, yeah appreciate really, really glad that you came on yeah, really appreciated. Um, if all of your listeners could, uh, uh, you know, pester Lucasfilm that clearly Harvard Storm needs to turn, uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Cal Kestis in the next uh, series, uh, in the next uh, sequel for uh, yeah. for the Fallen Order series, he should definitely maybe, um, with maybe Jose. Storm. Now that you've now that you've come up with those those couple of ideas around that 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 third story we were talking about, maybe you're my collaborator. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I'm down. I'm a hundred percent down. Um, but cool. uh, but yeah. So, so uh, Trev, anything else you want to want to cover? Or uh, no, I think we've you know we've we've hit our hour. We've covered a lot of stuff. It's yeah. been an absolute joy to talk about these books. Um, so yeah. All right. So let me do my, my outro segment and we'll thank everyone again in a minute, but, um, yeah. So <laughs> listeners, so if for some reason you haven't yet, make sure to join our discord. We have a very active community there sharing their thoughts on the latest episode of whatever show on Disney plus this time around as we're recording will be the bad batch season two. They're also reading along to the newest book release. Uh, what's that one? Uh, I haven't started that one yet, but anyways, uh, High Republic something. Yeah, something High Republic. <laughs> uh, selling their books and collectibles and sharing their artwork and fanfic. Most importantly, that is where you can get the latest news and discuss anything Star Wars archives. If you have not joined, just head on over to utini.com/discord and click the Join Now button on that page. Trev, Twitter plugs. So we are SW Archives Pod, and I am at Davy Todd. And Paul, do you have any social media that you want people to people can? Find oh yeah, like um, yeah. If anyone like uh, suddenly goes, yeah, but what about this? In terms of question, I'm on I'm on the Twitters at Paul in Porirua. Um, Porirua is P O R I R U A. Nice town here in New Zealand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if anybody did kind of go, oh, hang on a minute, I always wanted to ask this then. They're yeah. welcome. And if, Amazing. yeah, either that or you can also send the questions on our Discord and then we can all, we'll make sure that they get back to you. Oh, well. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Happy. I am at the Joxy on Twitter. That's T H E J O X I I I. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you to everyone. Thank you, Trev, for making this happen. Paul, many, many thanks to you. This was a fantastic uh, hour or so of. Uh, chatting nerd stuff um i'm glad that we got <laughs> to figure stuff. out the next book in the series yeah so, i mean uh, <laughs> it's been worth it for me jose and the third yeah. one is like, <laughs> I, it feels like it, it feels like it's written already now yeah i love it it's fantastic so uh yeah and thank you to all of our patreon members for supporting us making this show possible um and with that i can now say radio out there is no hatred there is joy there is no division there is union there is no apathy, there is passion. There is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini
Until next time, may the Force be with you.